0: One of today's snazzy sponsors is Quest Software, your go-to for everything Microsoft. Move, manage, and secure Active Directory, Office three hundred and sixty-five, and much more. Visit quest.com/datanautsPod to find out more. Quest.com/datanautsPod. Have you ever been criticized professionally to the point it made you cry, and asked to be excused from work for the remainder of the day? I'm not ashamed to admit it, but more disappointed that I let my emotions get the best of me that day in the office. I will never forget that moment. I felt so small, confused, and a failure. I could not believe how it was described and was not given an opportunity to defend myself. End quote. These are the words of Al Rashid, a highly experienced IT pro, just like many of you listening. Today, we consider with Al when it's time to walk away on the Datanauts podcast. I'm Ethan Banks, and with me is Drew Connery-Murray. We are your co-hosts today for this episode of the DataNuts podcast. Since 2015, Datanauts has been a part of the Packet Pushers Network of podcasts for information technology professionals, and you can follow us at Datanauts underscore show. Al Rashid is our guest today. Uh, Al, let's jump into this conversation, and uh, w- before I ask you this first question, Al, I just got to let people know, I met Al at a tech field day. Uh, event. This happened, oh, fall of 2018, I think, Al. And uh, and sometime later, you wrote this very poignant blog post, You Can Call Me Al, that I pulled that opening quote from. And it really captured my attention and the attention of many in the community. And and I wanted to dive in to this post, You Can Call Me Al today, in some detail. Uh, it really really hit me where I live, all the feels and, and all of that. So, so, Al, I think we need to set things up as we dive into your article by Meeting you, um, so for folks that don't know you, how did you get started in IT? What, what lit the fuse? Um, thanks again for granting me this opportunity. I'm very excited to uh, share my story.
1: Um, right out of school, I was a business major and I pursued, I pursued a career in the same field. I worked for a local grocery chain as a uh, manager and supervised multiple stores throughout my 10-year career. Uh, this included managing 100 plus employees in each location. Days and nights were long and they included Saturdays and Sundays, which took me away from my wife and kids. I became worn out and decided to pursue a career in IT, but did so part-time while continuing my work for the local grocery chain. As a newbie in IT, my starting salary was half the pay I earned in retail, but I was willing to make the sacrifice of working two jobs because I knew in the long run, uh, I would benefit moving forward. The desire, or as you put it, the uh, fuse, was uh, to provide an improved quality of life for my family and it was worth the risk and it's definitely helped in so many aspects as I look back.
0: Yeah. Okay. I, I, although I have to laugh that you started with, uh, you know, working nights and weekends, Saturdays and Sundays and and, and thought, hey, IT, that's going to gonna be a step up from that. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, I, I consider myself a people person,
1: but as if anybody can relate, if you've ever worked in retail, it, it tends to grow old on you. And the long days and nights, I can't stress it enough. They just wore me down. Um, there were nights I would work until midnight and be back at four in the morning, four hours later. And, um, you know, at that time, I was in my early 20s, mid 20s, and I just decided enough is enough. It's time to find something that's not only going to benefit me, but benefit my family as well and uh, the future moving forward.
2: So, Al, can you walk us through your IT career path? Are there any highlights, uh, any positions or moments that you remember with fondness or that you feel good about?
1: The career I cherish the most was when I worked at the Pentagon. Um, This was from 2001 until 2003. I was surrounded uh, by a group of individuals that I still consider friends almost 15 years later, plus 15 years. Uh, they were very supportive. They allowed me to get my feet wet, get my hands dirty. Uh, we had a, a just a, a fabulous way of working together. You know, in hindsight, when I look back, I, I wish I'd never left that position because it would have provided me so much more growth and I probably would have been much further along in my career. But one of the main reasons why I decided to move on from the position at the Pentagon is to be closer to home for my wife and kids.
2: Ah, okay. So there so was, there was uh, a, a confounding variable there in terms, terms of, of the family.
1: family.
2: Yep. Yep. That is correct. Yeah, that makes, that makes sense. And, and this this maybe something we'll, something get, we'll get into, too. it sounds like, sounds like, one, like one of the reasons you like you this place was because of, because of what they, they say, the say, culture, the meaning the environment, the environment that the other people around you created.
1: I can't stress it enough. They were very supportive. Uh, they they treated me like their own. I was a relative newbie to IT. I think I did, had maybe two to three years under my belt. Mm-hmm. Um, we had uh, multiple maintenance windows that were after hours, and and most times than not, I was always accustomed to the uh, senior people getting their hands on and, and doing the back-end work, but uh-huh. they always gave me the keys to the car and allowed me to, you know, take it for a spin, as they say, and and that's that's probably the best way to learn. And uh, you know, I, I benefited so much from it. And um, I wish, like, like I said earlier, I hate to repeat myself, I just wish I had ne- never left.
0: Now, you were at the Pentagon, you said 2001 to 2003, I believe. Does that mean you were there on uh, September 11th? Uh,
1: that is correct. Uh, I'll never forget that day like most. It was a uh, Tuesday morning. Uh, the skies were blue. Uh, the weather was beautiful. Uh, I used to park my car like most contractors uh, were required to in uh, one of the f- f- uh, furthest parth- parking lots from the building. Our office was situated in what was formerly a bomb or a fallout shelter. Mm-hmm. And the Pentagon renovates space whenever space becomes available. So it ev- inevitably became our office. Uh, we were below ground, so we didn't necessarily hear or feel what had occurred. We had realized and heard what had happened in New York uh, a few minutes prior to the Pentagon being hit. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's an unfortunate time in history, but it's a time I'll never forget. Uh, and when I pass the Pentagon, you know, occasionally just driving through or, you know, going to D.C., it brings back memories. But it also reminds me of the good times and some of the friends that I still have and um, just uh, the memories that I uh, continue to cherish from that day.
0: Yeah, I I watched it. from I remember I was on September 11th as well, uh, you know, seeing it on TV. 2001, it wasn't like YouTube and live streaming was much of a thing at that point. I was working on a SQL database at a customer site, and uh, there it was in the TV lobby. Very, very somber atmosphere for everybody. And that was just watching it from a distance. I can't imagine being near a site that was impacted like that. Well, well, Al, let's ask you about uh, community and and different groups because you are very active in a lot of them, Uh, a lot of different groups. uh, You're visible in the community. You've got a blog. You're active in things like Tech Field Day and so on. What's your personal motivation to be so visible and involved in the tech industry beyond just your day job? Uh,
1: The irony is I consider myself, I am a people person. I like to hang out with folks and, and get to know them. But I also consider myself somewhat of an introvert. So when I decided to give back or become more involved in the community, a lot of the reason why is because there were folks out there that gave me the opportunity, an opportunity that I never expected. And they continue to provide and they continue to support. And I want to do the same thing for anyone that's feeling left out or neglected or just needs a bit of advice or a shoulder to lean on. And um, they've just, uh, the, the community in general has just motivated me to be a better person, a better professional, to give back and to also remain supportive of anybody that needs it.
2: Yeah, I think it's interesting when when you talk about the tech community. There's kind of a couple of ways can go. On the one hand, it's you know sort of peers interacting and giving each other tips and solutions on how to fix problems, or hey, how did you handle this? But I think another thing that I'm seeing emerge more is folks talking about the personal side, the emotional side, uh, talking about like IT burnout, talking about imposter syndrome, those kinds of things that I think makes the community even more deeper and relevant than just sort of, you know, trading your favorite hacks and tips.
1: I would I would agree. I think the human side was surprising to me. I, to your point, I always envision the tech community being that, just a tech community, a bunch of geeks talking geek. But, you know, it's just real people that have real feelings, real emotions. And a lot of us can relate. A lot of us have a, a lot in common. We don't realize it until we speak to one another or just, uh, you know, reach out to someone for a bit of advice. So, um, it's, it's been refreshing. It's been rewarding. It's extremely humbling. And, uh, you know, I hope this feeling never goes away. Uh, not only the support that I've received, but what I want to do to give back.
0: Yeah. Are there any particular people you wanted to call out, Al, that, um, that are examples of, uh, people that had confidence in you when maybe you didn't have confidence in your in yourself. I, I really, uh, identify with that whole imposter syndrome thing.
1: Uh, the two people that come to mind, and there's a, uh, there's a ton of people, and I can spend the rest of the afternoon naming them. Uh, and I, I've actually got a spreadsheet of them, to be quite honest with you. This is and, like the Oscars, though. You get two minutes. Uh, yeah, so I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll, get to right, uh, yeah, I'll get right to that. Uh, Jorge Torres and William Lamb um, both work for uh, VMware. Jorge, at the time, worked for a, a private company out of Boston, Massachusetts. Long story short, the company that Jorge worked for at the time purchased three VMworld passes. This was in the uh, summer going into the fall of uh, 2017. Only two of the passes were going to be used. Uh, Jorge consulted with his supervisor, who then uh, suggested that he put it out there for the community as a contest, as a submission. And and, uh, essentially uh, the uh, parameters were, why do you deserve to go? How can you benefit from this pass? And and what could you do with it moving forward? So I debated when I came across the um, uh, blog post on uh, Jorge's website, and I'm not one to enter contests. I probably barely play the lottery unless it's $900 million and I recently <laughs> lost just like everybody else. But uh, I decided after uh, you know going back and forth for a couple of days, why not? Why not give it a try and, and let's just see what comes out of it. And to my surprise, uh, I was uh, chosen to attend VMworld. Uh, the pass was given to me uh, as a token of, uh, uh, of support. And uh, I'll Never quite forget the day when I was notified uh, that I'd won it. I was uh, playing golf with uh, 3 coworkers that day. It was sticky, hot here in the D.C. area, humid. I was just burnt out just physically, not mentally. And I decided just to take a break and uh, hang out in the uh, golf cart while my co-workers finished up a hole. And I remember receiving a notification on my phone that Jorge was about to draw names for the winner. And it was uh, through Periscope. So I started watching the video, and maybe a couple of minutes later, to my surprise, and to this day, I still find it hard to believe, he pulls my name out of the bag and congratulates me, and soon afterwards, he notifies me via private message that I'm going to VMworld. Well, my, cool. it, it was very cool, very humbling, and to this I actually get ting. you know, just, I'm kind of shaking right now thinking about it, and I'll never forget when my coworkers approached me while I was, you know, sitting in the cart. They, they, the way they described me was a look of fear, like someone had passed away or something was terribly, <laughs> terribly wrong. And when I shared the news with them, they were very congratulatory, very supportive. And and I still couldn't believe what had occurred. So I replayed the video and asked them to watch it for me. And and and, and they since confirmed that I, you know, they confirmed that I'd want it, and I was just ecstatic. And and that was really the moment that that changed. My outlook on the tech community, just to to know that someone who I'd never met, someone had never known me and vice versa, gave me an opportunity that most people wouldn't. And it's just not about me, but, you know, they gave anybody a fair shot at winning it. And I was just very blessed and fortunate to win it.
2: And I can say I I had the opportunity to meet Jorge uh, through a VMware a VMworld event as well. Uh, he put together a, a essentially a, a late night soccer game, a pickup soccer game for people going to VMworld. Uh, so I got to meet him and hang out, and just the interactions I had with him, you know, in the run up and at the event itself were great. He he's a great guy.
1: Absolutely, and, and I'm not sure if you know this, uh, he actually lives here in the area in Rockville, Maryland. I'm in Northern Virginia. Uh, when he accepted his position with uh, VMware. Uh, one of the things he had to do was move down to the area, and he's uh, since become a TAM, I believe, like I said, outside of Rockville. We occasionally see each other. Uh, I'm one of the co-leaders for DCVMUG, and that, that's another uh, uh, thing that I appreciate from Jorge. He continues to support me, my efforts, and the community to this day. Occasionally, he'll come to a meeting when he's available. He's even offered to speak if it doesn't conflict with his schedule. I mean, he's one of the nicest guys in the world. I, I just I can't thank him enough.
2: Uh, and we also, I think, you wanted to mention William Lamb as well.
1: Yeah, so William had a, a part in the the voting process, and um, between William and uh, Jorge, uh, they they nominated me as one of the final seven. And as I mentioned earlier, my name was uh, pulled out of the bag or the hat, as they say. And I had the pleasure to meet William in at VM uh, World in Vegas in 2017, and I made it a point to meet him. And the reason being is I just wanted to thank him. I wanted to shake his hand. I wanted to let him know that it's appreciate. you know, I appreciate his efforts and his support and we've remained in contact since then. And I know he's a busy guy and I know he's a very popular guy in the, in, in the industry as well. So uh, I, I just, you know, whenever I have an opportunity, uh, if it's in person or like, uh, however possible, like for example, back in February, I was lucky enough, like many other VMUG leaders, to attend the VMUG uh, Leader Summit at the Palo Alto campus at VMware. And uh, William was one of the people that was speaking uh, to the audience. And I, I just, uh, like I've done in the past, went up to him, shook his hand and said, thank you again.
2: Part of working in IT and also being part of the community is a sense of, of teamwork. Uh, do you have a philosophy or concept about what it means to be part of a team, to be a player on a team?
1: My biggest take on team is we uh, celebrate together, uh, we go down together, uh, but ultimately it's a collaborative effort. There is no I in team. Everyone accepts responsibility, but at the end of the day, we have one mission, and that's to focus on the uh, task at hand. And and I guess one of the messages that I preach about being a team player is with my family, especially with my kids. Uh, My son's 22, my daughter's 16. I am consistently reminding them that working hard, doing the right thing, being a team player, uh, focusing on supporting one another, nine times out of 10 will get you further in life than you can ever imagine. And they understand that. I I, I get it. They're still relatively young in their lives. But as they get older, they'll, they'll understand where I'm coming from. (laughs)
2: <laughs> I'm hoping that uh, the fatherly wisdom I'm trying to impart to my teenagers is actually getting through and not just rolling off their backs. <laughs> yeah. My
1: son gets it with all due respect. I love them both equally. My son gets a little bit more. He's 22. My daughter being daddy's little girl, is a little bit more of a challenge if anybody can relate.
0: <laughs> so Al, I want to go back to the quote we uh, intro the show with where you were being criticized so aggressively by the person in front of you that it was just o- overwhelming. Uh, Considering that experience and other experiences you might have had, um, explain to us your your take on feedback. How should people give feedback to one another?
1: I, I just think it needs to remain as positive as possible. Nobody is perfect. Everyone's going to make mistakes. Um, and, no, and, 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 and how you approach or how you provide feedback, whether it's negative or positive, uh, can make the difference between a, a good experience and a bad experience. That 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 moment that I shared with you that that came out of left field per se, I never really expected it. Uh, not to that level. Not not it was so heated. It was it was in a passionate way that it was uh, said to me the way I was criticized. And what I find still to this day, and it's been over almost three years now, to this day the the hardest part that I have accepting is management felt this way for over a year, leading up until that day, and nobody decided. To take it upon themselves, not only as professionals, coworkers, but what I thought was, you know, friends at the time, you know, pull me off to the side and, and politely say, "Hey, Al, is everything okay?" I mean, this could have been done eleven months ago. Eleven months ago, why did you wait until that day of my review to be so critical and just blast me for lack of a better way of putting it? I just, I, I'm still, like I said, dumbfounded. I, I've, it just came out of nowhere.
0: Yeah, it really underscores the role of a manager that you um, can't just sit sit on things and let them go if you think there's something going on that things need to be addressed uh, sooner sometimes.
1: I think that's where my emotions got the best of me. The fact that i I had to listen to this, and I wasn't not necessarily given a, a fair opportunity to defend myself mm. or ask for reasoning why it took this long to share this, how they felt about me, or you know how, how about how I was interacting with others. And that's when I just broke down. I, I literally, uh, and I'm not like I said in podcast. I, am not happy about the moment. I'm not, but I'm not ashamed to admit it because we all have a human side to us, and and if we continue to bottle it up, bottle it up, we're just going to be miserable for the rest of our lives. And you know, looking back, it actually opened up. You know, opened. I just realized there's bigger things to worry about than just being criticized over and over again. And I think by you know shedding a few tears and getting a little bit emotional, it just kind of it was it was, a, it was a release moment. It just made me feel a little bit better. Not at that time, but soon after, I just felt you know what, life is too big for this. I just you know it's it's I don't know. I I, I it just I was can't say it enough. Completely surprised, and I'll never forget it. It was just horrible.
2: So as we mentioned, the word community gets used a lot. And I, my takeaway is that it's more than just swapping tech tips, uh, this human element that, that these bonds, these connections you can develop uh, for support, for encouragement, for even the risk of, of sharing emotions and making connections. Uh, to me, that makes community more real, and that's what community should actually be about. Ethan, what did you think? Yeah, I'm, I, you, you, you echoed some of my thoughts
0: there. I really focused in on the fact that we are all humans. And it's, it's something I've written and tweeted about before, but somehow it does seem to get lost in the, the world of community and social media and even our jobs where we forget. We see these other people that we interact with sometimes as as, as objects or points of antagonism or, or, or sources of stress and, and forget the human side. And so we mistreat those people because we lose track of the human aspect. Uh, quick story, there was someone I worked with a long time ago who was um, convicted of uh, drunk driving multiple times and had to come to work as uh, you know walking there because he lost his license. And wow. uh, I didn't deal well with that situation, looked down on that person and then got to know him better later and learn about his family and his personal situations that led him to that place. And it really improved my relationship with that person once I understood what was going on. They weren't just some out-of-control person. They had struggles in life that led them to this place, and they had to work hard to get out of it. And when I saw them as a human, it changed my perspective entirely on how to deal with them. And uh, chatting with Al here just brought a lot of that human side of things uh, back to my mind.
2: So one of the... I guess good things about IT is that the more competence you demonstrate, the more work you're going to get, the more responsibilities you're going to be given. But there's also, you know, potentially a downside to that. So can you explain to folks who might be, you know, new coming into IT just what that means, how the responsibilities can mount?
1: Um, if you're good at something, you're relied upon. And there's nothing wrong with that. But it, it's taken to another level. And it's just persistent. And it never necessarily goes away, which is not a bad thing. But when it's, when there are times that you just, you got to leave at that time, you know, you have to leave the office, you can't stick around or, or there's an emergency of some kind. And, and it's, but at times it also feels like you're being taken advantage of and, and whether it's because of your professional skills or your personal skills or your personal demeanor. And while others, you know, there are, and we've all experienced it. there's people in, in certain organizations on certain teams that for lack of a better way of putting it, get away with murder.
2: <laughs> I mean it must be nice sometimes to feel indispensable, but at the same time that also means everybody else is going home and you're in the data center fixing a problem until one o'clock in the morning because you're indispensable
1: right and 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 I'll be honest, long days working hard it's not it's not cumbersome, it's not challenging it doesn't necessarily bother me, but as long as there's you know some form of respect given in return or mm. appreciation given in return, that's all I can ever ask for. I don't. I don't want, you know, don't give me extra money or comp time. I mean, that's great, but, you know, just be professional, show respect, show, you know, appreciation for the efforts. I know coming from retail, as I mentioned earlier, I had long days. It wasn't strictly an eight-hour day as a manager. There were days where it was 10, 12 hours. So when I joined IT, I realized there was a potential for experiencing the same type of um, uh, work experience. And then I didn't have a problem with it, but... The fact that it just continued to happen over and over again, and and I, and as I said earlier, it just felt like I was being taken advantage of.
2: Right, and that, and you're sort of always on call. You're on demand if you're if you're the person, it, and does, at any time of day, day, night, weekend, they're going to reach out for you.
1: Well, that that's actually a great point that you bring up. And there are times, and I don't, I've done this with others, and sometimes I regret it. And I've shared my personal cell phone number with some of our employees, and and some of you know, and the reason I share it with them is I consider them friends, not just coworkers. But there are occasions where they take advantage of this, and I've, you know, they've reached out to me on the weekends. I've gotten a text saying, "There's a, you know, my laptop is on fire," and so on and so forth. And it's, you know, like I said earlier, it's great to be relied upon, and I appreciate it, and it's nice to get the recognition when it's provided. But there comes a time and a point where you just got to put your, you know, foot down and say, "Enough's enough." You know, we, we have a team. There, I'm not, you know, it's a team of five, not a team of Al. <laughs> right. <laughs>
0: Uh, I, I know what you mean, Al. I felt, uh, I identified so closely with what you're saying. You know, this, the dependence on an individual sometimes you you are taken advantage of because you're nice or you're easy to deal with at certain people. And other people would rather deal with you than follow the process that's in place for that. And, uh, you know, some people would get upset with me because I'd say, I, I, if you wait for me to deal with this, that's you're not going to be served well. You really should call the help desk or whatever the process was to, to resolve the problem.
1: But that's a great point that you bring up, Ethan. And, and and there are, well, there was an individualist, but that way he no longer works,
0: you know, at the
1: company I'm with, he was known as someone that was not a people person, not a team person, not very helpful. And he made it known that he wasn't there for them. He was there for other reasons. Mm. And it just, you know, when word gets out that, you know, this is how this person is operating it's deflating. And it's hard to say no to an end user because then you're the bad guy. It's like the person, you know, it's like the athlete in sports, or let's use an example in football. Nine times out of 10, the athlete that reacts is the one that gets flagged for a penalty. It's not the one that instigates it. If I were to react in the same manner, I'd probably be flagged for that. And it's just, it's unfair. Life's not fair, but it shouldn't be tolerated. It shouldn't be permitted.
0: Now, the downside being, you put yourself out and try to go above and beyond and be a you know helpful and responsive employee to your your customers, those your fellow coworkers who are effectively your customers that you're serving to make sure their IT is up and running. It uh, it just it does wear on you after a time. Which actually leads me to another question, Al. Do, do you think uh, your IT career? Do you think the IT career is tougher on ops people? People like like us and the folks that tend to listen to this show. Do you think it's tougher on us versus, say, uh, developers or, or, or managers?
1: I think um, it it applies to all because everybody has to collaborate and work together at some point. They may not like it, but you know that's how things are getting done. You have to communicate. You have to share resources and, and support one another. You know, I, I I don't want to sound too harsh, but but I'm going to be honest. You know, being a manager is an ungrateful position. Because you have so much to live up to, so many expectations to live up to. And if you've got one broken link in the fence, it just breaks everything down. So, you know, in defense of managers out there, I sympathize with them. It's not something that I personally have an interest in becoming because it's a huge responsibility. And it's, you know, you talk about long days. That's, you know, being a manager in IT, and I'm sure you guys can relate uh, or, or know someone that can relate to this. It's like 7-Eleven. You're open 24 hours a day. <laughs> I mean, there is no time off. I can use prime examples of folks in management that I've worked with in the past. I'll be on vacation, but call me if you need anything. Right. <laughs> it's, you know, And I have a hard time accepting that. And I, I do my best, and it's very rare that I've had to reach out to that individual You know, if I'm in a really bad situation. But I refuse because that's time that they've earned off to spend with their family or loved ones or friends or
2: whomever. So do you uh, have a sense of whether uh, IT as a profession can actually change for the better? I mean, I feel like I'm constantly reading articles about, you know, the the latest management study about how to, you know, get the most out of people and have teams function well and stuff. And yet it still seems like things are broken.
1: It's funny you bring, you know, use the word broken because automation is huge right now in IT.
2: Yeah.
1: And in, in IT, Let's be quite honest, once you develop a system, it's not very challenging, but I think it's the personalities, it's the people, it's the human perspective. It's the human side of things that makes it harder than it really should be. I think there's there's envy, there's jealousy from others. Hmm. not really sure why. Uh, you know everyone has a job to do, you're there to do it. Everyone has their own responsibilities and you're getting paid to do them. Uh, you should be satisfied with what you do. you should be uh, content with how you do it. But most importantly, you should be able to work as a unit without holding something against someone else or or for take it to another level, do something deliberately that it could, that can affect someone negatively. That's what irritates me the most.
0: Oh, I, I think it's a hero complex. I, I've worked with a lot of folks who just seem to have to be in the spotlight and have to be the go-to person and have to be the the hero that can fix all the problems and understands everything and is in all the meetings and is just in the middle of everything. They they have this need to be indispensable, and so they they put themselves in position where they're being used all the time. And sometimes they do their best to put them put other people on the team in a bad light to make themselves look better. I've worked with a number of these folks over the years.
1: And the sad part, Ethan, and I agree with you. It's at least for me. There's always been one instance of that wherever I've worked. And I remember a former coworker years ago refer to the as you put it the hero guy or hero person they always were like in a Kodak moment. You know, when right. when they wanted the spotlight on them, they were there. You know, big smile, hands up in the air, so the manager, whoever can see them, I'm here, you see me? Hello. <laughs> but you know, when things don't go as planned, you know, they're 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 hard to find or they had nothing to do with it and yeah. and, and, and they're in complete denial. And it's not about, you know, being in denial or or not admitting to a mistake. It, the point is just work together. You know, ultimately we'll get it, we'll get it done. It might, there might be a challenge or might be a struggle. Someone may make a mistake inadvertently. We all do. We're all human. Uh, just learn from the experience and, and improve upon it, but don't continue to be negative and to yourself. And like you said, me, me, me.
0: Hmm. Well, when you do run into those somewhat dysfunctional teams, which, which as we've both had the experience of there is uh, that person a lot of times that can put that dysfunction into a team when you're dealing with that and it can be frustrating to go to work um, with those uh, humans that are mistreating you why do you put up with it um multiple
1: factors i mean unfortunately money is one you have to provide it it can be the root of all evil it shouldn't be your motivating factor uh, other perks include uh, that you should you know, consider or like health benefits, retirement, uh, so on and so forth. If we're going to discuss like a, a difficult individual whom I've worked with recently, my way of dealing with this person was, for lack of a better way of putting it, ignoring him as if he didn't exist. Hmm. Ah. Now, I will be open and honest. That's not the correct approach. But I, I was put in a position where I didn't know how else to handle it. And I guess, as the old saying goes, if you have nothing good to say, don't even say it. So I decided, you know what, I'm just going to take it upon myself, do what's expected of me, remain, you know, positive, not only with others on my team, but, you know, end users, employees, so on and so forth, and clients as well. Going back to when I was criticized, I was actually criticized for not talking to this individual or not considering him a part of my team.
0: But when you're an introvert, though, I mean, I I identify with that as well, and I will Avoid confrontation, if at all possible. That's just baked into my nature. So difficult people, that would be my response too. Just avoid them to uh, not have to deal with confrontation.
1: Yeah, that you you hit the nail on the head. That, that's probably a better way of putting it. I just avoid him because I didn't want to deal with that confrontation. Or give him an opportunity to bring me down.
0: mm uh-huh
1: you know just let me move on let me do what i'm here for you know this is th- these are my responsibilities i'm not going to let you get in my head i'm not going to let you break me down you're not going to make me look bad and you're make yourself look good and it wasn't about him and i but he did this with a lot of other people so it wasn't just a al someone you know one to one relationship it was it was just as we put it earlier it was all about being the hero and sooner or later that moment that persona catches up with you and people you know get tired of it. And, you know, they just kind of latch off of him. You know what? You're on your own. Do your thing.
2: So we've gotten a pretty good catalog of all the, the the ways that an IT department or organization can be broken or maladjusted. If you could, you know, sort of from the ground up, create your own ideal work environment, what would it look like?
1: I'm going to refer back to my uh, time when I worked at the Pentagon. We didn't have a network guy per se. We didn't have a system. Ad- I mean, we did, but they didn't go out of their way to say, I'm just here for the network portion or I'm mm-hmm. here for the back end, or whatever, or Al, you're just help desk guy. No, we all worked together. Titles weren't involved. We all had a mission. We all had a duty. We all had responsibilities and it was to provide support for our clients and do it in a top notch way. You have to mentor, you have to build trust, create a good, positive environment and look out for one another. Don't, you know, do it because you want kudos. Do it because that's the right thing to do. You know, it's the, po- the point of working as a team is to be, you know, one united group. Uh, communicate, collaborate. And, you know, if you've got to work some extra hours, do it because you want to do it. Do it because there's there's a goal to the end. You know, there's a, you, you, you want to accomplish something. Uh, you, you know, when I did work at the Pentagon, uh, we did have, like I said earlier, our maintenance days, and if i recall they were on thursday nights and we had to wait until 5 p.m. before we did any maintenance and we all looked forward to it and it was a long day but as soon as maintenance kicked off everybody had a responsibility every you know we all worked with one another and it was a learning environment that that's the biggest takeaway i i want to you know sp- stress to people is if you're given an opportunity to work with someone that wants to train you and teach you because they want to they want you to be a better professional moving forward Take it, run with it. Don't, don't, don't slip on it.
0: Oh boy, talking with Alan just reminded me of some of the difficult folks that I've worked with, and the fact that I've been a difficult person to work with sometimes. And it's just—it really brings home the point that being difficult doesn't do anybody any favors. The common link in all your broken relationships is you so maybe if you're struggling there with your interpersonal relationships it's time to take a look in the mirror and see what you can change what stuck out to you drew well
2: i can second the notion that you are a difficult person to work with so, hey, hey, hey. Uh, <laughs> no, just kidding uh yeah what stuck out for me is that it, being indispensable is a double-edged sword It can win you praise, uh, can make you feel good about yourself, you can be proud, maybe even get some compensation out of it. But it also means that you're the one that people are gonna call on nights, on weekends, on your vacations. So just be careful.
0: One of our sponsors today is Quest Software, your go-to for everything Microsoft. In a nutshell, Quest takes the complex things about your Microsoft environment and makes them easier to deal with. For instance, let's say you're dealing with a move to cloud, or maybe a merger, or maybe you're doing both at once. What happens? With too much to do, you start making mistakes. You give out more permissions than you should because you got too much to deal with and sticking that user in that group and that OU wasn't the right thing to do, but it was the convenient thing and it lets you go back to writing that script to help you migrate accounts. Oh yeah, your scripts, the canned tools, some open source thing you found, you're stirring all this stuff together with a keyboard and a mouse. And it's sort of working to get the project done, kinda, as long as no one else has to use it and the CSV files are in just the right format. It's ugly. This is where Quest software fits in. With Quest, you can migrate without end-user disruption. You can improve the migration process by using more automation and less roll your own and hope it works. And you can maintain a compliant internal security posture. No more over-permitting because you didn't have time to figure out how to do it right. Quest fits in when you're facing migration to a new SharePoint, or you're migrating to a new Office 365 environment. You're consolidating AD and Exchange. You're securing Active Directory from insider threats, and more. Quest has been doing this for a long time. They help manage 184 million AD accounts today, plus they've migrated over 95 million accounts and 74 million mailboxes. They have had time to get their software right. Something that Gartner recognizes about Quest, listing them as the only cloud office migration tool offering all 40 features and functions key to have. By the way, Quest isn't only selling software and hoping it works out for you. They also have a support team you can reach 24 x 7 by 365 And if you just rolled your eyes because you hate vendor tech support, Quest has been recognized eight times for customer support excellence and has a 93% customer service satisfaction rating. Odds are that if you do need to call Quest support, the experience is going to be pretty good. To learn more about Quest software, your go-to for everything Microsoft, visit quest.com slash Pod. One more time, that's quest.com slash Pod. and we thank them for being a Datanauts sponsor. Al, we've talked about the stress that IT careers can have, the difficulty working in different environments can be. I guess I want to focus on when it's time to walk away. When do we know it's time to, to, to leave? And in your blog post, again, you can call me Al, you, you had a lot of guidelines there. So let's walk through some of that. One thing I know you reflected on there, there was a lot of questions that you had asked to help drive honest reflection of how work is impacting uh, quality of life. Can you walk us through some of those guidelines?
1: So, yeah, I, I'd be glad to. And, and you know, I'm ashamed to, that it's gotten to this point because I've allowed it to get the better of me. Um, I'm mentally drained. I'm physically drained. So, for example, I work from 7 a.m. to 3 p.m. I get home shortly before 3.30. I don't have a terribly long commute. I'm very lucky in that aspect. Um, but when I get home, you know, I want to nibble on something, grab something quick to eat. Or, you know, if I've got some responsibilities with the kids, I'll uh, address those. And soon afterwards, I'm taking a mid-afternoon nap. Then I'll wake up in the middle of the night and, re- you know, it's like rinse and repeat. I'm eating again, going back to sleep. My sleeping patterns are horrible. Um, I, I, I and On the inside, I believe I am a people person. I think I get along with most, if not everybody. Um, and But what I've discovered recently, and even, you know, my wife and kids have kind of pointed out is, there are times where we want to do something together, like go to a movie and whatnot, and I have to think about, do I really want to go? Do I want to be in a situation where there's going to potentially be someone that's going to just rub me the wrong way? Or maybe I'm going to be the grouch, and I'm going to ruin it for everybody involved.
0: Wait, so there's actually a lot to unpack in what you've said already. So there, there's a mental aspect, and there's a physical aspect. But let's focus on the physical stuff first. Now you're, you're, you're struggling with sleep. You're struggling with food. If I'm reading between the lines, um, yeah. because of, is this all like tied back to job and stress?
1: Yes. I don't want to completely blame it on job or the stress that comes from it because it is my responsibility. I've kind of caved into that. But a few years ago, I was much more active. I would jog probably three or four times a week, two to three miles each instance. And it wasn't about speed. It was about mental therapy. It wasn't about running far or how fast. I just wanted to get out and clear my mind when I did so. Uh, I used to cycle more often. I I mean, I've got a, a, a bike that's hanging from the roof of my garage. It's been hanging in that position for probably two to three years. (laughs) And it's, it's, it's my fault. I've, I've allowed these conditions, these, you know, these scenarios to get the better of me because all I want to do, and I can't stress enough is when I get home, take a nap and just relax. I don't, you know, it's funny because, you know, if I've got to run an errand, I'll try to run it before I get home because once I get home, I don't want to go back out.
0: So going back in my IT career, maybe 10 or so years ago when I was, I had a commute that was mm, an hour plus each way, depending on traffic. And I had an architecture responsibility and I had a lot of projects on my plate. And I was also trying to get through a difficult certification, uh, in my spare time, in my off hours, you know, when I wasn't in the office, I put on a lot of weight. I really did, um... You know, when it got to a point of, you know, I had to upsize a pair of pants and I remember buying these things and putting them on and looking at myself in the mirror going, what has happened? What, <laughs> how did it get here? You know, and, and the answer was just, you know, eating as a stress response that was like, you know, just the, a way to relax and calm down a bit was putting food in my mouth, often not great selections and uh, and sleeping a lot and not really any physical activity and it just, over time of that pattern, it, um, it it catches up with you and your body pays a, a toll. Uh, it
1: it does. It's it's funny you bring that up because, and I hope you don't mind me sharing this, this past weekend, I was in uh, Northern California for a wedding. And uh, a week prior to heading out West, uh, my wife had asked, hey, do you have a suit or do you have a suit in mind that you're going to wear? And I don't mind being honest. Again, this is part of overcoming Uh, or, you know, this challenge and getting back to the way I should be. I openly admitted to it. I said, no, I don't have a suit that fits me right now. And so Mm -hmm. I I, I politely said, look, if you're going, if you're going to run to the store and I'm not going to specify size, but (laughs) we'll just chuckle at that. (laughs) I said, hey, if you're, if you're going to run to the store, get me size so-and-so. And And she looked at me and said, are you serious? And I said, unfortunately, I am. I said, right now, I just, to your point, Ethan, I've got so much going on that I'm neglecting myself. Mm. And and it's part of it is because I want to improve not only my life, my career, but the you know, my wife and kids as well. So I'm I'm taking that sacrifice. It's not the healthiest of choices, but you know, I, we, there is no guarantee in life, but I'm taking a calculated risk by sacrificing myself for and others involved.
2: But at the same time, as part of that, the, the, all this work you're doing and the, and the stress you're taking on also can affect your relationship with your family. One, just being away, but two, you know, you, you come in after a long day or a long night, and you just like I can't deal with all of the the chaos or whatever is going on in the house.
1: Be the first to admit it. I'm a little bit more edgy than I've been in the past, and I think a part of it, it does have to do with you know mood swings, if we want to describe it as that, or my physical condition. You know, one thing, you know, looking back, maybe I have a photo and I don't mind sharing it with you guys, uh, at some point, uh, about five to six years ago, uh, I was thin. I didn't have this double chin. I didn't have this gut that I have right now. And, um, I was probably, and I, I think I mentioned it in the blog post, 60 to 70 pounds less than I am now. Yeah. And it's a shame because I put so much effort into getting to that point. I put so much hard work and, and, and I can't stress it enough. The physical rewards were fantastic, but mentally I was sharper. I was more patient. I wasn't as edgy as I am. And not to say that I'm overly edgy, but, you know, I I can get, uh, you know, you
0: can, you can,
1: uh, not you guys, but in general, like someone can get the best of me a lot quicker than maybe five years ago.
0: Well, okay. So, so we, we've established this, you know, personal stress, the challenges here, physical, mental uh, family uh, gets some of the fallout of that. So, w- what are the key factors to help you decide when it's time that you need to change? You got to walk away from this job and these responsibilities that are overwhelming and and try something else. How do you how do you identify those factors and and make that choice?
1: That's the biggest challenge that I have right now. I don't want to leave where I work now just for the sake of leaving. And and I guess an easy way to put it is selfishly, I don't want to start all over again because I've worked too hard to get where I am right now. Hmm. If I'm going to go elsewhere, it's going to be, I mean, I'll, I'll be happy with a lateral move, but obviously we all want to take that next step in our career. I guess it's a biggest, my biggest fear. That's my biggest concern.
2: Not wanting to, like if you risk going away that leaving this job that you won't find something better.
1: Yeah. I mean, let's again, being honest with one another, not everything is perfect it's not peachy everywhere but my biggest concern is if I left I'm just going to another situation that could potentially be the same or even worse in time uh-huh. Uh-huh. I've accepted my circumstances for the time being I'm I, you know I've I've been there long enough I've beca- I've adapted to it it's not Healthy, as we've discussed, but you know I'm willing again to take that sacrifice until that next happy place
2: becomes available. How does money factor, and this is also an uncomfortable thing to talk about, but people are willing to put up with a lot if the pay is right.
1: money is is great, but it's not my motivating factor. And I'll give you an example. When I left the Pentagon to go work at the university prior to my current job, the amount of money was the exact same thing. Uh-huh. it wasn't it wasn't a dime less or a dime more. I left the Pentagon, as I mentioned earlier, because I wanted to be closer to my family. And the university job was literally five minutes from
2: my house. Right. Okay. So that's a much better commute.
1: Absolutely. And I was there for 10 years. And as a state employee, if the economy is not doing so well, guess what? you're not going to get a raise like most people in the federal contracting world. Right. So money was never a factor, and I hope it never is. It's more about the benefits that are provided that you know provide coverage for my family in terms of medical and retirement, that, that sort of thing.
0: What is the end game for you then, Al? Just picking up on your blog post again, it sounds like a major theme is happiness.
1: Yeah, I just want to be professionally happy. I want to uh, be a part of something, uh, work with individuals in a group that, have one another's back, that have a common goal. They want to improve the process. Um, You know, they don't want to take that one step forward and two steps back, per se. I'm I'm motivated by the community, um, regardless of what platform we're in. I like to give back to local charities when possible. And uh, most importantly, especially for our young people, you know, they they need mentorship. Um, Last night, actually, coincidentally, I was at a local restaurant while my, and I wasn't eating, but I, you know, I was just hanging out actually piggybacking on their Wi-Fi. but I won't mention the restaurant. <laughs> and that's, that's because my daughter was at volleyball practice for two hours. So I didn't want to just sit there or sit in the car per se. But while I was at this restaurant, you know, I had something to drink and uh, the, 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 one of the employees that works there greeted me and she asked me how I was doing. And, and I answered her politely, I'm doing well. And I asked her the same thing. And uh, towards the end I said, well, I hope, you know, you get to leave soon, you know, when the store closes. And uh, she remarked and replied, said, no, I won't be off until 3 p.m. Well, I know this restaurant closes at 10 p.m. There's Nobody works five extra hours after closing time, not that I'm aware of. So I politely asked her, do you mind if I ask, what are you doing here until 3? And she said, no, I'm going to my next job. Oh, wow. And I said, are you serious? And and she went on to tell me she works three jobs, and she's 40 years old. Wow. Um, And I was floored. I just I looked at myself and I thought to myself as well. I was like, you know, as much as I, you know, want to improve and I dislike my situation where I am. You know, this is just another reminder. Somebody else has a lot worse than I do, or or all three of us put together. To to put it that fact,
0: (laughs) I'm kind of of interpreting what you're saying here, Al. Is um, your job may not be perfect, but you shouldn't be relying on your job to make you happy. You need to find your own happiness.
1: Correct. Correct, and and part of it is becoming more active, uh, taking care of myself. Um, as I mentioned, you know, jogging, walking, exercising. Uh, one of the ways that I lost all that weight was uh, cooking and preparing my own meals, packing my own lunches every day. Uh-huh. Uh, and I wasn't lazy. I, and again, I'll admit it. I have faults. I'm lazy right now. I know it. First thing I think about uh, is, what am I going to have for lunch tomorrow at lunch at work? I should say. You know, that's, that's not the way to approach life.
2: But yeah, those little things like getting outside, clearing your head, like, uh, I'm lucky that I work from home, but I, I'm so, my dog is home. So I, we, we take a walk every day and that, that, you know, 30 minutes I'm outdoors. Sometimes I don't want to go cause it's cold or wet or I'm tired, but once I'm, I've done it, I'm like, okay, I, I'm a little bit more refreshed. I've, I've got a different perspective and just being outside can make a difference.
1: Right. You know, I read an article or a blog post recently and I think it was Eric Wright. Um he mentioned or someone in the community, I forget whom, whenever they travel for like an event or for work, the first thing they do when they arrive at the hotel that they're going to stay at is they hit the gym. They don't they don't they don't go, you know, they don't turn on the TV and hit the snack bar. <laughs> right. They said the first thing they do is hit the gym because it just it it provides so much, so much release, you, you feel energized and you're just more open-minded, more positive. And then that's a good way to look at it because again, I'll be the first to admit it. If I'm traveling, the minute I check into that room, I'm laying down on the bed for a few minutes.
0: Yeah. Most of my trips are cross-country and every time I end up where I'm going, I'd I have done the thing, go down to the gym. That is something I have done. But lately, I've, I've been lazy. It's just like, I've been on a plane all day. I don't want to go down to the gym. I'm going to relax. <laughs> <laughs> right.
1: Yeah, I know. We're, we're all guilty of
0: it. So, Al, uh, happiness is, is is a bit subjective. Um, And some people might reflect that they're in a job situation where they don't see how they could get themselves to that happy place. Do you have a take where if in someone's mind, they just think it's impossible to be happy because of that job situation. Does that mean the right thing to do is just walk away? I mean, it is a radical step. It is a
1: radical step. And I think at at the end of the day, if it gets to that point, it has to be seriously considered. And I'll be quite honest when I say this, I've considered it recently. It, it's it's to the point where I just ask myself, is it worth the aggravation? And, and But I uh, consistently have to consider others that are part of this decision. So right. it's easy, it's easy to say this, if I'm single, I'm gone. But when you have responsibilities, sometimes you have to stick it out. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, again, that's the hardest part. It's like, and they realize it and they appreciate it and they acknowledge, you know, the issues that are going on and they're supportive and, and they're going to continue supporting me until whenever, you know, whenever, the, wherever my next uh, challenge is, my next career, my next stop in my career. But, um, you know, I, I do know people that have given up and just left, but they're, they were in a different position. Uh, they were single and ha- didn't have the responsibilities we do as parents or you know, fathers or husbands, et cetera.
0: Yeah. Well, I, I'm reflecting back on what you said earlier about you don't want to just leave um, to, to leave. There's also the thought of you, you don't want to just quit something. You want to be moving to something. So you're leaving one situation because you've got a, a an opportunity that you want to take advantage of. And so in that context, it makes it, you're not just leaving because you're unhappy, but because you've got a good opportunity to move too.
1: That, that's another way to look at it. Absolutely. There's two sides to every story. So, you know, it's always, it's not always about the negative situation. There's always a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow.
0: Well, Al Rashid, uh, thank you for being a guest on the data knots today. Can you, uh, tell people how they can follow you on the internet, um, your blog, anything else you'd like to share where, um, people can follow you.
1: Sure. On Twitter, it's Al underscore Rashid. I've got a blog post on WordPress. It's a L a Rashid blog.wordpress.com. You can also find me on LinkedIn, Al Rashid, and you can always also, uh, see me out and about, as you mentioned earlier, Ethan, we, uh. Uh, we were very lucky to have met one another. I believe it was at Network Field Day 18 last November, and uh, I'm thankful that we met. I'm very happy to have met others as well, but I'm I'm appreciative of so many individuals like the two of you taking the time to speak to me. I, I can't say it enough. I just want to continue giving back because that is my motivation. That that's what keeps me upright. If that's a nice way of putting it.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I understand what you're saying. Right. Well, thanks again, Al. And uh, thanks to you for listening to today's edition of the Data Nuts podcast. I am Ethan Banks. You can reach me at ECBanks on Twitter. My blog is ethancbanks.com. And uh, Drew, would you uh, let people know how they can follow you?
2: Yeah, I'm on Drew underscore CM uh, on Twitter and I'm blogging at Packet Bushers.
0: Yes, and we Data Nuts interview folks from all over the IT industry who are trying to do things better. We're breaking down silos, uh, pushing the design envelope, creating new tech, sharing with the community, they're learning, unlearning, improving, asking hard questions, etc. We talk to all of those folks on the data knots as they explore the IT universe taking us places we haven't already been until then may your server lights blink your life be a happy one and your cables be cleanly managed